Welcome back to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief, Braden Keith in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Yin Yin Lee in Evanston, Illinois. We got four top 15 recruits on the men's side, all committed to UVA this weekend, including number one, Thomas Heilman, and number two, Maximus Williamson. First of all, just let's talk about the impact of this and what this means for college swimming on the men's side moving forward. I think getting number one and number two, especially out of this class, we have to remember these aren't normal number one and number twos. These are guys that can swim a lot of events. They can swim them very well. They can swim short course. They can swim long course. Um, these are program changing kind of guys. Uh, and, and it's coming at the right time. This is sort of the equivalent, I'd say, of the Cal women and what they've done in the same class. Um, you know, going into the big ACC Pac-12 merger and all that stuff um, with the, the NCAA champions, Cal coming in. Like, if you don't want to get lost in that whole churn with Cal and Stanford and NC State and Louisville and all these other teams, you've got to make a statement. And I think they've made a statement right at the right time. You know, Heilman... Heilman makes the most sense here. I think a lot of people thought Williamson was probably going to wind up at Texas. Um, and then those two were going to decide who who was going to go where, where they were going to drag different people to. Um, but now that those two went to the same place, it's they they clearly have the number one class this year. Like nobody, there's, I don't think there's anything anybody else can do to catch them this year. Um, you know, it's not it's not automatic NCAA champions, right? In, in men's swimming, especially, you need a couple of class, good classes to do it. And their 2024 class is not spectacular. So they'll need a couple transfers or a really good 2026 class, I think, to be in that top two, top three conversation. Um, but who's, who's not going to want to swim with those two guys? I mean, their 2024 class has two top 20s. So it's, it's still not a bad class. Yeah, but they're not NCAA title guys. They're not going to win titles. I mean, you don't, you don't, I feel like it's hard to predict that from male swimmers. That yeah, but that's our job. Mm, okay. We got to so, try. <laughs> sorry, go, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So for one, I think this is great for parody. Love to see it. Top recruits not going to a traditional top six blue blood school men's swimming i think this is just going to add to the growing list of men's swim teams that could be nca title contenders or at least at the top of the ncaa i do agree that it's going to take more than hellman and williamson and josh howitt thomas mercer grant murphy to win an ncaa title but i think this is the first step i said this in my article about thomas hellman that this reminded me of when the uva woman first recruited Kate Douglas, Ellen Nelson, Maddie Donahoe, Lexi Como in Todd DeSorbo's first year as a coach. This is the first time the UVA men have gotten a recruit on the level of Kate Douglas, Alex Walsh, Gretchen Walsh on the woman's side. And I think this is their first step. There's definitely going to be a lot more pressure on the UVA men. I think people are going to expect something similar to what they got with the woman in a few years, especially with Hellman and Williamson, who are considered arguably the future of American swimming. And with UVA's history of with top male recruits, which has been hit or miss, there's going to be a lot of pressure for this to go right. I think it's 
just kind of interesting to see how the not the 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 lag, right? Just how the women took off right when Desorbo got there, and then it's taken a while for the men, which I think we see in a lot of combined programs. But yeah, we'll see how this develops. I think, like Braden said, Heilman was kind of the obvious choice. Uh, I'm hoping we can get them on the podcast soon so we can kind of dissect what went into this decision, especially especially for Maximus Williamson, because that that is definitely out of left field for me. I did not expect him to go there considering uh, UVA men's just history with uh, event specialties. You know, it's like for his events, it's not necessarily an obvious choice. What I yeah, think is I was interesting. Surprised. Yeah, what I think is interesting is that Vir- Virginia is not recruiting a lot of internationals. Um, and, you know, I think we all understand at this point that you can win with just Americans, but it's a lot longer route. Um, it's, it's much easier to win with a couple of internationals to complement your Americans, just because the Americans don't always go to the same place like this. Um, and, and from talking to Virginia people, it's not like a philosophy. It's not like Texas where they have this America first sort of philosophy. It's more just. Virginia has unusually high standards on things like TOEFL, which is the the English language proficiency test, and um, stuff. I was wondering that, if that it was academic it, related. Yeah, it makes it hard to get international students in there. Yeah, that's an interesting. And most point. of their international students are from English speaking countries, like Amy Canny, South Africa. Sophia right. Wilson's from Great Britain. Right. Oh, I don't know that, but. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So, I mean, and again, that's like one of the draws of UVA is that great academic school as well as athletically. We're going to talk a little bit about that class more later in the show, but right now we're going to go to the World Cup that has concluded. Uh, We saw the last leg in Budapest this weekend. Kayla McEwen (laughs) broke two world records casually in the 50 and 100 meter backstroke. Uh, She already owned the 100. Uh, she did not own the 50, but now she owns all three backstroke records in long course. And Chen Haiyang also completed his triple, triple crown in the 50, 100, and 200 breast. Uh, I'm curious, because Kaylee and Chen also have like such different histories, what you think this says about those two athletes specifically leading into this Olympic year and how we're going to see their momentum carry forward? I was most impressed at how they were able to be fast three weeks in a row. Um, and they weren't the only ones. Lan- Lanny Pallister was fast three weeks in a row. There were a lot of swimmers in this series who were fast three weeks in a row. Um, they're in two very different situations going into Paris, right? Chin is, is it doesn't look like anybody's going to challenge him right now. Like it doesn't look like there's anybody in the neighborhood. Um, maybe what's his face from Australia and the 200. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, he seems so far ahead right now. It doesn't seem like Adam Petey is going to get back there um, right now. You know, Paris is still a ways away. Um, Arno Kaminga had his little flash in the pan moment, got COVID at the wrong time, and, and it seems like he's not going to recapture that. So versus uh, McEwen, who this week, I know it's yards, but saw Reagan Smith break an American record in the 200-yard fly, Um you know, she she has to be good, I think, in Paris if she wants to pull off the double. Um, because I think Bowman and, and Reagan Smith are going to figure out the taper this year. Um, 
So they, they're in two different positions going in. And McEwen, we saw last year, wasn't at her best at Worlds. She wasn't hitting her best times, especially in that 200 back. Um, so it's two, it's two very different situations that are kind of fun to watch for different reasons. Chin, Chin's ability to go fast at Worlds and then Asian Games and then this World Cup is unprecedented in my mind. I don't know if we've ever seen anybody do something like that. Well, it's the, it's the situation yeah. where... Like you just, we've never seen Chin before this season. And then all of a sudden he's on top of the world for three months straight. It's like, can he maintain this? Was this a flat, his flash in the pan? Or like, is he actually going to be able to stay on top for another one, two, four or five years? Yeah. I agree with Britton. I think Chin and McEwen are in very different situations. For Chin, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Because he got it done at all these other meets leading up to the Olympics. Can he get it done on the biggest stage? Which I have a lot of trust in him that he can. But it's definitely a very, very pressurizing feeling. And Coleman, you talk about how he sort of came... I don't want to say he came out of nowhere because he was very good as a junior swimmer. But he sort of had a flat 2022 and then came out on top this year he had a big coaching change last year and um he with Tui Bing Rong who's um Zhang Yufei's coach once he started training with him he started getting considerably better because he he was focusing more on breaststroke whereas in the past he dabbled in a lot of IM IM work but with Kaylee I think this these world records were a statement as if she didn't need any more statements to prove herself that she is the favorite heading into Paris. If I was a better, I would be betting on her to sweep the backstrokes. I know Reagan's times are are around, not that far off Kaylee's, but Kaylee has gotten the job done every single year since 2019. Has Even when she had a bad year in 2022, she still won the world title in the 200 back. She's just been so consistent, always gets her hand on the wall first. And Reagan has not hit her best time in backstroke since 2019. Kaylee is consistently breaking world records, and I just don't see how you can argue that she's not the favorite. Even with the whole Kaylee swims faster in Australia thing, which I don't think is true. But yeah, that's that's my take. Well, cool. Yeah, she so she. she... She just swam the fastest in Europe, so that that argument is now mm. not super valid. But yeah, it's it's interesting because Reagan's trajectory like was here and then it kind of stagnated, but now it's like with Bowman, it's rising, right? And like Kaylee is the favorite and the defending champion in everything, and so she's she's I think she is the favorite, but that gives her more pressure. Whereas Reagan is kind of like, she's the triple, triple silver medalist from these past worlds in all three backstrokes. So it's like, she's the one chasing. And I think at an Olympic Games, if you have that mindset, it's going to be easier for you to relax and swim the race you know you can than if you are the defending champion who everyone is expecting to win everything. But we have seen Kaylee win. So I, I think it's a... It's a toss-up for me at this point, but I agree. If I had to pick one, Kaylee is the favorite. I mean, but I think Kaylee was in the this position this year as well. Reagan was the one chasing. Kaylee had the Man, faster world time. Chance. And 
Kaylee still got it done, even after her 200 IMDQ that affected her a lot emotionally. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, all right. Yeah. Great World Cup swims will be awesome to see both Chin and Kaylee uh, move forward through this year. And speaking of top backstrokers, Braden, you mentioned it. Reagan Smith had a sensational swim of her own this week, going the fastest ever 200-yard butterfly, 148.33, at a dual meet in a time trial, because why not? Uh, I guess that's just what Reagan Smith does now. She also went 52-8 in the 100-yard IM, which is which is like makes her the number Breaks three into the performer top 10 of UVA swimmers in the <laughs> 100 IM. Exactly. Like, pretty, pretty, pretty solid. But... What does this swim say to you about where Reagan is at and this looming Olympic battle between her and Kaylee in the backstrokes? So our friends down under are going to say, oh, it's yards, it's yards, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But what I want people to understand is that this is a 2.6 second drop off of her best time. Even if you were to attribute the entire 2.6 seconds to her underwaters, right? There are still underwaters in long course swimming. So that's still one, what, how many underwaters are there in a, a long course versus a short course 200 fly? Like half as many? Four and eight, yeah. Yeah. So so if she yeah. drops 1.3 seconds in her long course 200, like that's that's an Olympic gold medal, right? Uh, so Brayden, that was not a 2.6 drop. It was more like a, because her best time was 149.7. Oh, from It was like 1.4 for yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So still, I mean, even if it's all underwater, right? There's still underwaters in long course swimming. They still matter. So to me, that's still a significant drop, just, just the magnitude of it. Um, to me, for Reagan, it's it's still about two things. It's about her confidence going into the meet, um, and it's about event selection. I think if she goes four, even pushes for five, if she tries to get a spot on a relay or something like that um, on, a, on a free relay, I think that's going to sink her. Um, but I think if they're smart about event choices, and I think if they can keep her sort of emotionally engaged and confident going into the meet, um, I don't know. I think she'll win a gold medal. I don't know which one, but I think she'll win something. Okay. I hate to be that person, but I don't really think this swim means anything. No! One, you are that person, Yin very fast. It is <laughs> the previous record was the Ella fastest what 149 something and she just goes 148 low which is insane but when you think about it her best time 149.7 is from high school it's from when she was a high schooler wow. is it well, from high well, school or is it, it from, her gap, from her it was gap from year. her gap year but before yeah. she came into college back then her best time in the 200 fly was like a 205 and now, now she goes to yeah two two oh five, oh two oh six three, and now she goes two oh three long course. So to me, this this was kind of expected, especially considering how far, how um, fast, how much faster she's gotten in the long course swim to fly to go, to go faster in yards where I think you can people typically drop more time was expected for me, and to me. With in Reagan a dual Smith. meet, though? Well, in, in a dual meet, she, Reagan Smith was faster at an ASU time trial than she was at World Championships. So this is not surprising That's to me. 
Um, that's true. That's to me, fair. the biggest thing for Reagan's. <laughs> but Kaylee McEwen was faster at a whatever meet than she was at World Championships. Sorry, that, go on. that is true. Um, but to me, with Reagan, it's about swimming fast, getting her hand on the waffers at the big meets at the right time. And no matter how many time trials she goes and goes ridiculous times, that's still going to be my main concern for Reagan. And she's going to have to learn how to get it done at big moments. So this, this swim doesn't mean that do much. We, how do we think the general pressure, and I'm, I know we're responsible for a lot of this pressure, but there's, there's a mounting pressure on the American team to figure it out, right? Um, as everybody in Colorado Springs would like to say, oh, we did fine. We won lots of medals. We just, we just got to find those tents to get our hands on the wall. But there's a lot of pressure in those last few tents, right? So do we yeah. think that mounting pressure is going to impact individual athletes like Reagan and some of these other silver medalists um, or or not? Personally, like I said before, um, I think winning silver in a world champ in a pre-Olympic year is a good thing. I think it's like you did well, you're in a good place, but you have more to achieve. And mm-hmm. I think that's the mentality that U.S. not only the U.S. not only fosters as a country, but I think individuals will carry with them into this coming year. It's like, okay, I'm a player, but I, I want to win. So I, yeah. I think that will be a good thing. Ultimately, I think U.S. will respond. I personally don't think there's going to be as much pressure on the silver medalists as there is on the swimmers that did well last year for Team USA. I'm thinking about Kate Douglas. Katie Ledecky, well, Katie Ledecky's fine with pressure. We know that. But people like Katie Douglas, who sort of exploded this year in long course, I have a feeling that NBC is going to use Kate Douglas as one of their poster poster athletes for their marketing campaign based on the fact that they were at UVA a few weeks ago. And there's just going to be a lot of pressure for them to perform on the biggest stage, especially with the – yeah. I don't think Kate Douglas feels pressure. As Tyler Fenwick described, she's not here to have fun. She's a killer. I I think Kate (laughs) Douglas will be fine. I think she's got that Katie Ledecky, come get it mentality. I mean, she she said in an interview that she wanted to pull a Maya Dorado and retire after winning a gold medal, which I think is funny. Yeah. That would be awesome if she did. I'm out. All right. (laughs) It'd be more awesome if she slammed LA and won more gold medals. But yeah, either way. So as a, if you were like Bob Bowman and or Michael Bull, would you tell Kaylee and or Reagan like, okay, you should swim the two fly, two IM, or you should only focus on backstrokes in Paris? She's not swimming the two IM. Reagan's not swimming the two no, IM. No, no, Ka- Kaylee. No, Kaylee. Ka- two Kaylee. IM for Kaylee, uh, two fly for Reagan. I, if it's me, I'm telling... Oh, I haven't looked at the schedule enough. I I remember the world schedule had a conflict. I don't know. I'm 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 telling Reagan maybe to skip the one fly, um, and do one. But back swim the back other three. Fly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 probably telling Kaylee to swim all three. I think she's got all three in her, without mm-hmm. having looked at the schedule to know if that's a stupid decision. But right, yeah. Like schedule conflicts aside, yeah. I mean, I don't think Reagan was going to swim the one fly in the first place, but I do agree that Kaylee's going to swim all three because she has that feel in her from that DQ. She wants to prove 
and that she can swim and contend with the top swimmers than 2IM on the big stage. And I don't think we've seen the best 2IM from her yet. If, and if it's I was also the very last day of the meet. There's no probably no conflict for her. It's like, why not? She's gotten her two major races out of the way. All she has to do is this. Yeah. And the medley if, relay. If I was either coach, I'd say drop them. Drop drop the third event. Focus on backstrokes. That's why I'm not their coaches, I guess. <laughs> From a swim <laughs> no fan perspective, I obviously want to see them swim all the events. No guts, they can. no glory. There you go. Yeah. I mean, they train for it. They're obviously very good, but we'll, we shall see. And uh, let's get to the final big news meet of the weekend, the Pan American Games, which in my for, for my money was the 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 smallest big news. Um, we haven't seen a ton of eye popping swims here. It's always fun to see a championship meet um, from our from our perspective. Team USA, you know, winning medals is great. But what do you what do you see at this meet? There there are not a lot of great times. Um, a lot of athletes are not even going best times or close to their best times. Um, how what's your analysis of this meet so far? We've seen two finals and a prelims. Yeah, I think it's it's a good chance to race. I wrote this about Johnny Kulo's relay split. It's a good chance for Team USA to find out what they have, who they have where to invest their energy because we we got to remember there is some national investment of resources that happens in terms of opportunities with camps and analyses and um sports science stuff and whatever you know i think jack akins had a good swim um in in a in a 200 back where the americans need somebody to have a good swim next year um so i think that's exciting i think johnny kulo had a good swim um, so for team USA, I think that's what it's about. Kennedy Noble had a good swim. Um, and then for the rest of the world, this meet, we have to remember this meet is still pretty important. Um, Brazil really cares about this meet, Mexico, Canada, some of these other countries really care. Um, Maggie McNeil showed that she's, you know, still engaged as a professional. So that's exciting speaking globally. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Brazilians are swimming well, so that's fun. The Brazilian women are swimming well. I think, uh, Alexia Asuncao, I'm probably butchering that, um, won their first ever women's medal in the 200 back at the Pan American Games. And the time wasn't anything spectacular, but, you know, it's that's been an ongoing conversation, sort of the momentum of the Brazilian women and fighting some cultural influences to the opposite there has been sort of a, a big picture topic over the last decade. So seeing them succeed, I think, is very good for their momentum going forward as well. Mm. I don't think Pan Ams has ever been that fast for me. I, I saw that Maggie McNeil went 56-9 and broke a Pan Ams record. And I was surprised that no one's ever been faster than 56-9 at this meet. But I guess I guess that's how it is. It's I mean, at least for the Americans' sake, I'm thinking about how this meet is in the middle of October. A lot of these swimmers are college swimmers and they're sort of in the thick of training right now. And a lot for a lot of these swimmers, this meet is a chance to get international racing experience. It's not a sort of peak paper meet like national was. So I don't really expect a lot of them to be faster than their nationals times, which they are not. Well, and let's be careful saying never because in prior generations, this was a big meet. This was a meet where world records were being set. Um, Rick Perry in 1983, Steve Lundquist in 1983, both set world records. So more recently, yeah, to be specific. 
Well, and it's, yeah, it's also interesting because I forget, you know, this meet is only once every four years. The last iteration was 2019 and then 2015 before that. And swimming has gotten so much faster, so much quicker, it seems like, you know, from 2019 to 2023, we've seen a lot of tectonic shifts and multiple events where it's like, you look at the records that were set in 2019 and it's like, oh, that wouldn't even final now at a world's or an Olympics, you know, or like, that's not even close to meddling. So it's like, I was in the same boat as union where it's like, really, no one's gone that. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's yeah. Again, that was four years ago. So we have seen quite a few meat records go down. I, I feel like it's a result of that. It used to be a primary meat. It, it's sort of like pan packs occupies that slot now, but it used to be a primary meat in a non-world championship year. Now it's the championship before or after the world championships because the world championships used to be in even numbered years. Yeah. yeah. I really, I like this meet a lot better when it's at the end of the summer rather than the middle yeah. of the fall. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. then we can, yeah. Then I of think the, athletes of the North American for summer and fall because of the yes, in yeah. South America. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and our final topic circling back to our first topic, uh, the UVA men's class of 2025 is already loaded with talent, again, including our number one and number two recruits of the class. For your money and for your swim swam expert analysis, is this the best ever men's recruiting class in the swim swam ranking era? So again, we're not including women's recruiting classes because that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, but in, in the last... 13 years, is this the best men's recruiting class we've ever seen? So we're we're eliminating the 1984 Stanford class with Pablo Morales and Jeff Costa. Um, Does not count. Which is, which is probably, at this point, is probably the number one class because those guys were ridiculous when they got to Stanford. Um, so who are the candidates? Give us the, give us the, who are we talking about? So in my research, I found two classes that I think could stack up on paper. The 2017 Cal class that had Ryan Hoffer, Sean Grisha, Bryce Mefford, Trent Julian, Daniel Carr, among others. That's five top 20s, including the number one and number two of the classes, as well as the NC State men of 2021, Aiden Hayes, Arsenio Bustos, David Curtis, Sam Hoover, Garrett Boone, and Noe Ponti. Uh, that's four top 12s, kind of similar to this UVA class. Again, we're comparing classes on paper at the time of commitment. We're not, we can't take the context of how these classes panned out because we don't know how the Virginia class is going to pan out yet. But for, I think those two classes can compare to this UVA class as it stands right now. I'm going to throw two others in there. Um, I'm going to throw the 2014 USP class with. Santo Condorelli and Steven Stump and Michael Dumagala. These names aren't going to sound familiar because Dylan Carter was in that class. Yaka Unless Tumerkin you're a nerd. Was, yeah. <laughs> Yaka Tumerkin was in that class, but never actually swam there. Um, this was coming off of a fourth place finish at NCAAs. It looks like they were going to get over that hump. The class never really worked out for them for the most part. Um, some of them had nice careers, Reed Malone. <laughs> but that was a really good class on paper. Um, Reed Malone. Then, wait, Reed Malone was also in that class? <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. It was oh. a it was a it was a super deep class. Um yeah. I don't know if they had anybody as good as these guys on paper, but it was a really good class. And that then is, the 2024 yeah. NC State class that we haven't seen yet, um, with Kai Winkler and Daniel Deal in it, 
uh, number oh, one, number two. Oh, duh. Yeah. yeah. This is the second straight year we've seen number one, number two go to the same school. But that class wasn't, you know, their next best recruit was number 15, uh, Nolan Dunkel, and then 17, Matt Marsteiner. So um, that's probably not as good. I don't know. I'm, on paper, I hate to have recency bias, but on paper, this feels like a ridiculous class. Not like it, those classes had guys that were really fast and they had guys like Arsenio Bustos who could swim a lot of races. Um, but they didn't have guys who were both. It doesn't feel like they had two guys like this at the top who were both really fast and could swim a lot of races, you know, that were super fast and whatever four relays you need me on coach, I'm ready to go. Um, like Howman and, uh, and Maximus Williamson, they're they're good and long course. It, it just feels to me, starting with those top two, it's on sort of a different plane. And then the other guys around them are like guys who would be number one in one of those other classes, you know, or, or comparable to the the good swimmers in those other classes. So to me, on paper, this is the best in the swim swim era, I think. I'm. I hate to agree with Brayden and not start an argument, but um, I hate to yeah, not I be think... that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is the best men's class of the swim swim era. I'm. I'm not super familiar with some of the older classes. I definitely think this is better than NC State 2021, NC State 2024. Because when you think about, it, we've been talking about where Thomas Hillman and Max Maximus Wilson. Yeah, uh, and like, where they were going to commit for like the last three years since and they were bam, freshmen. they're going yeah. to the same school and like Britton said these are two swimmers that have nc have ncaa scoring times in two to three events already as juniors mm. and they're super versatile when you think about uh, the 2017 cal class where they also got one two ryan hoffer's obviously one of the greatest recruits of all time but he, he was a sprinter. He was just a sprinter. I mean, just a sprinter. He was a pr pretty darn good swimmer, sprinter. And Sean Bishop was more on the mid-distance side, distance side. But Thomas Hellman, Maximus Williamson, they can literally swim everything. And that doesn't even go to account for, for Th Thomas Mercer, who's also extremely versatile. Um, and Josh Howitt's a pretty pretty good sprinter as well and the thing is I don't think UVA is done with this class I don't think they're done getting commitments I think there's more to come I'll yeah, I'll be the swim swim commenter swim <laughs> uh, yeah I'll be, I'll be the commenter who who's always there's always one who's like how much money does UVA have yeah <laughs> um yeah. I think what's what's interesting about this class is that I think these guys are going to the right school right we've seen some of these other versatile guys Anthony Graham Arsenio Bustos were really versatile, right? But they went to programs that either sort of made them be IMers or made them be X, made them be Y. With what we've seen from the Virginia women, um, and I almost think what they did in their dual meet the other day with, uh, um, what's Sabir Muhammad, kid's name, Kamal Muhammad, uh, making him swim breaststroke when he did not come as a breaststroker. Like, I think they're trying to flex to these guys, like, you can come to Virginia and continue to be a great butterflyer and freestyler and I am or and backstroker. And like you can you can come here and do all of these things, mm -hmm. Kate Douglas, Alex Walsh, and we're okay with that and we know how to do it. Um, 
And so in terms of the way the class fits up, I think you gotta you gotta give this class credit for the fact that what they really wanna do fits with what Virginia really does, which I think the 2024 NC State class does as well, but maybe some of the other classes don't as well. I do it's like- funny because most people in the comments don't think they pick the right school. I, well, I do. And that's that's a general statement, right? Based on <laughs> UVA men haven't been like the women, right? They they haven't had these big breakouts. They they have had breakouts, right? They've had like a Connor Lamb. They've had some mid guys get really good, but they haven't had really good guys become superstars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we're I think we're seeing the beginning of it. Noah Nichols, Jack Akins, both both did great doing well at Pan Ams now. Um, like they're they're they are ascending, I think, but I am gonna make the argument for the 2017 Calmen, um, just because uh as I know it seems like they should, and let's take into account also that these guys, Thomas and Maximus committed going into their junior years. So we've only, they have two full years of high school to get better, but yeah. that's just kind of, that's where swimming is right now. So like that can't be helped, but Maximus is not an actual, not actually an NC2A score right now. And if he is, it's in the B final <clears throat> in his events. No, Thomas, his, his, his two, 400 IM time would have made the A final last year. Okay. So we got one A final there. Thomas would only have made two A finals in the 100 and 200 fly, he would have gotten seventh in both events. And two IM, he would have made the B final. Ryan Did Hoffer. You use the word only to describe that as a high school sophomore. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Compared it's, it's as exciting. as compared to Ryan Hoffer is getting third, fourth, and fifth with his best times. You know, come coming in at the time of his commitment. Um, we people forget how good Hoffer <laughs> was in short course coming out of high school, like. He might have been the best short course high school swimmer that ever existed. Uh, it it I, was never going to turn into long course, but I yeah, and I agree. Like I I love in in this in this description of the class, they're like he's the best sprint prospect in the NC two A since Caleb Dressel. It's like he was better than Caleb Dressel right. coming yeah, out of high school. Yeah, he was better than Caleb Dressel out of high school. Yeah, and so it's like he's I, he's the best male sprint recruit we've ever seen not only because of his times, but because of where he stood compared to college swimmers at the time as well. Explicitly so like for, for NCAA short course competition. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like to me that kind of bolsters him. And then Sean Grishup was, was a very promising number two. And then you had Mefford, Julian and Carr who were also like, extremely versatile and had extremely top times in butterfly backstroke freestyle. I am like they, that trio was, was like really good on paper at the time. And so to me, I think that puts them just over the top of this class, but again, it like, I, I would pick them, but these guys have negative one year compared to this Cal class. So this is obviously a very good class, and I think Maximus and Thomas are going to be uh, revolutionary NC2A yeah, athletes. I mean, if Maximus pops a 337 this year and Thomas pops a 4200 fly, then well, <laughs> they're, they're probably not going to taper for yards, right? Like, so we might yeah. not get to see that. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, there's going to be some lag. 
but their they senior year could be next year. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> they they're only to go for it. This but doesn't it feel like that kind of group where, where when they call Todd to and say, Todd, should I, should I make my focus state this year or should I make my focus <laughs> worlds that Todd would say, yeah, go after States and see what you have left for worlds. Like, doesn't that feel like the Virginia attitude? Absolutely. Which, uh, yeah, especially Todd being the, I mean, he's the women's Olympic coach, but yeah, maybe he'll just troll Nesty and be like, yeah, taper first date and see what you got for trials. <laughs> that would be excellent. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Any parting thoughts? You know what bothers me? The way people are saying that Todd needs to focus entirely on the men's team now because of Thomas and Maxis, why can't you have two good programs? Like, and Auburn did it in the 2000s. NC State has it one, like, comes it's down not to one or the other. It all comes down to your assistance. And here's what's interesting about what Virginia's doing. Um, most In most programs, the head coach has a pretty high administrative fundraising, publicity, recruiting role. Um, and the assistants are doing a lot of on-deck coaching. Virginia, especially going into this Olympic year, are flipping that. And they're giving all of that stuff to assistants. And they're letting DeSorbo spend more time on deck. So uh, for better or for worse, we'll see how that works out. But if they can, if they can work that out, to me, that makes this even better. Yeah. I mean, and to, to me, that makes more sense. Like on paper, that makes more yeah. sense to me to yeah, have kind of the more sense. experienced coach doing the coaching. And yeah. then, yeah, anyway, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But, but <laughs> donors wanted, donors wanted me to Sorbo, you know, you, you got to yeah. have the right charismatic assistant. You can't put a first year assistant out there asking for money. And, and Virginia has kept the nucleus with uh, Blair and Fenwick and, and that crew together long enough that I feel yeah. like he can send those, those guys out on the road to do some of those things and people will still respect it. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is our breakdown for the day. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we will see you next time.